0: Well-being is the word, Frontiers is the podcast, and 10 is the number of this episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matteo Penzo, and I'm your host. I have become so passionate about well-being that I decided to create a conference around it. My company, Frontiers Conferences, organizes global events since 2005, and Frontiers Next Well-Being is our annual gathering to explore the future of well-being. On May 19 and 20 this year, the conference will be hosted in four cities, Dubai in the Emirates, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, Milan in Italy, and San Francisco in California. We will also distribute our content live through our global digital platform. You can reserve your ticket on our web portal at frontiersnext.com. One of the big topics we will deep dive at the conference is how to improve the happiness of people in organizations big and small, something we call corporate well-being. If this is not the first episode of this podcast you hear, you already know what I'm talking about. And today, I'm thrilled by the conversation I'm going to have with two experts on this topic. Marcella Ruas, who is the General Manager of Global Talent Acquisition at Group Renault, and Marissa King, Professor of Organizational Behaviour at Yale University. I invited Marcella because I'm interested in her perspective on talent acquisition and talent management. How does well-being impact her strategies globally? How is an industrial giant such as Renault managing the challenge of redesigning the digital office experience? How do they manage people engagement? Marcella, welcome to Frontiers.
1: Thank you, Matteo. Thank you for having me.
0: Marcella, 60,000 white collars, and among these, a thousand uh, creatives, a thousand people belonging to the creative class, and I believe it's a. Uh, It's quite a challenge, uh, the methodology you use to attract talent in such a diverse environment. Uh, How do you attract talent to to Group Renault?
1: So Renault has been um, present in the industry for a very long time. And there is a natural attractivity in terms of automotive talent, but everything is changing in terms of needs. So we're no longer just focusing on attracting traditional automotive talent, we now want to attract people who are coming from the tech industry, coming from the creative industry, and many others. Um, So I think this is a constant struggle uh, to uh, improve the way you attract talent. But I think that one very important piece, and we don't talk enough about it, is strategic clarity, Mm -hmm. that we talk and we tell the world what we want to build for the future. Um, people from all those different areas, they want to be associated Mm -hmm. to something that is meaningful in regards to what they will deliver. Uh, So this is one big part of it, that we tell the world uh, what we want to build and there is some alignment on what people want uh, in terms of their future as a professional. And then the second thing, this this part I think we talk a lot about with compensation. I think compensation is also a key part of it, um, but not just money. I think it's much more about how we reward people. And there is a big component on variable pay. People want to know that they are taking part on results and that they are being uh, rewarded and they have career perspective in a way that's rather just general, normal compensation.
0: We're living in a pandemic. This is the first case for me, for example, in hosting my guests without having them on stage uh, with me in the theater. Uh, COVID is changing the way we treat well being at work. What's your approach? How does Group Renault enhance the well being of, of its people today and after the pandemic?
1: I think the first thing is we have to be very adaptable and quick to respond. Everything is so different. Of course, we've never been through this type of situation. Uh, so we have to adapt quickly. And I think the change is permanent. I don't think we will ever go back to the way we used to work before. Um, There are many things that need to change in terms of how we work home office wise um, and how we see, you just mentioned, well-being. It's a huge part of how we work and in a completely different environment because people are working a lot more outside of the office. So we have less control over it. Um, and at the same time, we have new things in play. So, for example, I am a big defender of shorting up the traditional time we have allocated on Outlook for meetings because uh, you you will just book a meeting. It's one hour. How do you do that over a day and you don't have a breathing time in between them? So we're discussing things that we have never discussed before, such as shortening the the, the automatic time lot that you book for a meeting for 50 minutes so that people automatically book 50 instead of one hour. Um, And there are also things such as how do you uh, foster ergonomy at home because people don't necessarily have a good chair, a good computer. Um, Everything around the the space uh, in which people work has changed and and is out of control of the company. So those are things that have never been discussed so intensively as they have in the latest months at Renault.
0: And, and I believe that while having people at work, it's it's also reducing the type of um, sense of belonging for people in a in a in an organization, right? You lose kind of grip of all the uh, little activities you can organize within the office to to keep the sense of belonging going. And I'm thinking about not just staff meetings, but also coffee times, lunch with colleagues, casual meeting, etc. So. How do you how do you navigating through these?
1: So this is one thing that is brutal. I think you you don't cross people naturally. You don't make natural connections, such as you used to just over coffee. Um, you you don't just walk by and run into someone to say, "Oh, hey, how are things going?" Um, so we have been working a lot more on communities, uh, which is something that we didn't do so much before, uh, based on interests, based on uh, topics. Uh, there's a lot more frequent communication um, and we've been working a lot on how we deploy strategy and how we manage performance. The relationship between how we engage employees, how management and employees exchange and how they interact with their colleagues have changed. So we have to have much more transversal types of objectives. We're working on implementing, for example, OKR, which is something not traditionally seen Uh, and used by the industry as much. So those are different ways of engaging people and actually making sure that we keep that sense of belonging. And also, we have done things that we have never done before, like top management meetings with 3,000 people virtually. This is unknown in our history. If, If we had said this two years ago that we would do something like that, nobody would have said, yeah, sure, let's do it. They would just say, oh, no, of course not. We shall do like an event in an auditorium with a hundred, couple hundred of people, but never a virtual workshop with 3,000 managers. This is unseen.
0: Yeah. And I believe that if I think about the automotive industry, industry, the, the industry itself is on the brink of an enormous change. And I'm not just speaking about electric cars, but think about uh, autonomous drive. So within the next few years, people like you will be called in completely shifting not just the size, but the quality and the shape of of the teams working with you, right? And that's why I was mentioning at the beginning the creative class within uh, Group Renault. So if I think about creativity, well-being, it's the word that comes immediately next to my mind. Do you think creativity and well-being is a match made in heaven?
1: Um, Well, I would say that you certainly need well-being to ensure creativity, but I I also feel that creativity is also born in restrictions. And so oftentimes because you're put in situations such as the one we're living and and that you have the need, this also triggers creativity a lot. So I, I think that it will be a challenge to continuously work on well-being to foster creativity, but also find creative ways of getting out of where you don't have the ideal situation for well-being and still be creative to come up with solutions for it. That's for sure. Uh,
0: can you mention uh, the, the, the one experiment on well-being that your company has been undergoing through this pandemic? You mentioned already the three top managers gathering together in a, in a theater. Is there something else, something more direct to the, to the people working with you?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, we have been uh, discussing. Even uh, at one point in time, we were discussing type of concierge um, type of service that we could offer at the office. So I'll give you an ex- example. How quick could we improve? We have a place called the Techno Center, where we have all of our engineering teams. Uh, and at, like a year ago, uh, or a bit more, we were discussing how can we improve life of those people in the office. So we would have, for example. Uh, postal service, we would have banks and things like that locally in the office so that people's lives would be better. And now that has completely shifted because people are at home. So we have been now discussing how can we improve the lives of our people at work, knowing that oftentimes they're at home. And I think one thing that was a major shift for us, and and I think this is, this was actually a good part of being away and, and through covid is that I think we're seeing people all over the company in a much more holistic way. When I have a meeting with a senior vice president or the CEO and that suddenly their kids are behind the screen uh, or that someone is at the (laughs) (laughs) table. Right. I mean, it happens to everyone working at home. I mean, how can you prevent the Amazon guy of just ringing the bell right when you're in the middle of a meeting uh, so I think those are things that are just ringing a huge bell on people's mind to understand the employee in a much more holistic way, and and this is is right to the face of when we talk about uh, improving well-being because we're not just seeing the professional anymore. We're seeing the full human being in their own environment where you don't have full control, but at the same time, you want to continuously build productivity, creativity, and foster all those things. So it, it's a huge game changer. It's challenging us every day, um, but I think it's in a very good way.
0: Thank you, Marcela. And now I want to move to a subject that is very close to hiring and corporate well-being people networks, and I have invited to this episode Marissa King from Yale School of Management, where she is professor of organizational behavior. Marisa, I would like you to tell us about the different types of people networks that define our behaviors in society and at work.
2: Most people's networks can be characterized by one of three types. They're either a broker, a convener, or an expansionist. Expansionists are prototypical networkers. Most people know around 650 people. Expansionists know orders of magnitude more. This allows them to have power and influence. Popularity. They get a lot of information. But popularity and likability often don't go together. And the downside of being an expansionist is despite knowing many, many people, they actually feel quite lonely. They have a lot of relationships, but they don't have a lot of close relationships. They have difficulty maintaining deep ties. Brokers are the second type of network. Brokers tend to have friends who aren't friends with one another. They exist in different social worlds. They may be a soccer mom on the weekend and an engineer by day, but they don't bring their engineering colleagues to their soccer games. By straddling these different worlds, they have the potential to be radically innovative. Innovation comes through recombination, and this is where brokers excel. The downside to having a broker network is that people can often feel conflicted. They face competing demands from different constituencies, and this can oftentimes be quite difficult psychologically to maintain. And finally, conveners. Convener's networks are characterized by having friends in which all their friends know one another. Their friends are friends. These dense, tight networks provide a lot of emotional and psychological support. The downside is they can often lead to groupthink.
0: Broker, conviner, expansionist. I believe, Marisa, what you define as expansionist describes me very well. Thank you for your deep dive on people networks. And to you that are listening to this episode, if you want to hear more from Marisa and understand better the dynamics of social chemistry, she will be live at Frontiers Next Wellbeing on May 19 and 20. Book your seat on our portal at frontiersnext.com. And if you live in Italy, as I do, you have an additional opportunity. Our partner Egea Editore just published in Italian the latest book by Marisa King, Chimica Sociale. And now it's really time to close this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you're interested in well-being as I am, the best opportunity you have to stay in touch with all our content is to subscribe to our newsletter. Weekly updates and perks from Frontiers Next, well-being. Arrivederci.